This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock, and welcome to the Retirement Detective Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about some forms that you might want to consider signing with your adult children. And this would be a case where maybe you have a child that's recently become an adult, but they're not married yet. Perhaps they're off to college or to service in the military. And there are a few forms that you, as the parent, may want to consider signing to help them in the event of an emergency. And we'll talk about what those are in today's episode. So you have a child and they turn to an adult and hopefully they're off the payroll and they head out the door and you wish them well and you're done, right? Well, for a lot of parents, that's not necessarily the case. We love our children and want to be a part of their lives for a long time. But legally, in in most states, once your child turns 18, they're an adult in, in nearly every respect. As a result, they have adult privileges with regard to their to their finances, their medical information, their data, and that sort of thing. And if they're not married yet, there's sort of an interesting uh, time period between maybe the time that the child turns to an adult, but they're not married yet. Um, and then maybe in the event of an emergency, they would still turn to you as the parent to help them in that emergency, whether it's medical or, or otherwise. Absent some of the forms we talk about today, there would be a court process to allow the parent to step in and help make those decisions. But these forms are certainly a much more expedited way for a parent to still assist their adult child. Now, in the event that the adult child is disabled or uh, mentally unable to make their own decisions, these forms would almost be necessary in order to help them conduct their day-to-day lives. But I think the forms we're going to talk about today are helpful even in the event of a perfectly healthy child that's uh, now an adult, uh, so that in the event something terrible happens, you as the parent still have the ability to step in. So we're going to talk about a few forms today that I think are wise for you to consider, whether your child's headed off to college, the military, or the workforce upon turning age 18. So the first one is the medical power of attorney. So a medical power of attorney simply is a a document that appoints an individual or individuals to make 
healthcare and, and medical decisions for that person in certain circumstances. And for for the purposes of these forms, we're gonna you know let's we're not talking about a case where the child is uh, maybe disabled or or mentally not able to make their own decisions. Um, that's a whole separate discussion. Today, let's assume we're talking about someone that's ostensibly a, a a typical adult that just happens to be one that was a child not that long ago of yours, and now they're an adult. And we're gonna walk through what are the scenarios where these forms would be helpful and why you might want to consider them. So, the medical power of attorney uh, power of attorney doesn't have to be active all the time. Uh, it, it can only kick in under certain circumstances and. A medical power of attorney is just simply you, the adult child, designating someone to help you with medical decisions. So imagine a case where you, the parent, have an adult child, let's say they're 24 years old, and they're in a car accident, and the doctor needs the family to make medical decisions on behalf of this child. Now, there certainly are avenues for the parents to make those medical decisions uh, a process to be able to make those medical decisions absent the medical power of attorney. But the medical power of attorney is sort of like the fast track option and having that in place would certainly make that situation a little bit easier. So it also is a significant money saver rather than having to go to court and um, you know trying to secure guardianship rights over the adult child in the event that they need someone to make medical decisions for them. Now, each state has its own rules and own forms, and some require witnesses and notaries and all that. So I think it's just wise to have um, this sort of document in place. Now, your child's moving to a different state. You'd want to consult an attorney on whether it's the state rules of where the child is or the state rules of where you are. And how you do, how do you navigate that? An attorney will also help you navigate how much detail do you need in the medical power of attorney because it can get pretty complicated, and also give you guidance on um, the types of situations where you'd want that medical power of attorney to kick in. You know, be it um, some sort of incapacity uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, I think if you have an adult child and they're not married, then I think it's something you may want to consider. Um, another one is um, a different type of power of attorney. This is called a, uh, a durable power of attorney. So the durable power of attorney would uh, be more on the financial side. So imagine if for one reason or another, your adult child's not able to take care of their finances, maybe because they are medically incapacitated or maybe they're out of the country or uh, something like that. The durable power of attorney would allow the um, the parent to step in and help make some of those financial decisions, perhaps open a bank account, close a bank account, um, ask questions to their auto insurer or whatever it may be. So help pay their bills, uh, access their bank account, maybe even potentially pay their taxes. So there's all sorts of reasons why um, a otherwise able adult might need the power of attorney in place. And Honestly, I mean, I think this one's, you could see the probability of this one needing to kick in perhaps a little more often than the medical power of attorney because, um, you know, be it study abroad or 
or maybe they're an athlete and they're practicing and traveling so much that they're rarely home to be able to take care of their own things. Um, or I don't know, but just really any scenario where you could imagine an adult child that you would, as a parent, want to step in for them and help them solve some sort of financial matter, the durable power of attorney would do that. And again, you want to work with an attorney to help draft that, make sure it's appropriate for the states where you live, the state where your child lives, and also to navigate the different uh, combinations of events that it might require in order for that to kick in. So the next document in, in some states would be combined with the medical power of attorney, but in other states it's separate. And this would be the uh, medical directive or sometimes called a living will. But basically um, this is the document where your adult child would be able to make their choices about their end of life wishes with regard to um, medical treatments that are designed to extend life when you would not otherwise be able to extend life. So it's, it's simply a way for your child to say, um, I want to be kept on life support or I don't, or under, you know, what are the circumstances? What are the triggers? How many doctors have to say that we're at this point? Um, does one parent approve? Do both parents have to approve? Ultimately, these are really hard things to talk about with your adult child, but they're actually much harder to talk about absent some sort of document where the child's given you an outline of what their wishes are. So the living will, be it you know, a really hard thing to talk about with your child, is actually, um, again, one of those things that just makes the process smoother when you can go to the doctor and say, we do have an advanced directive. We do have a living will for our child. Uh, this is what it states. And then um, that sort of takes a burden off of the parents from having to make those end of life decisions for their own child, which I can't imagine how difficult that would be. Um, and as a, as a child, that's sort of giving a gift to your parents that by you making the decision as the child, you're not having to put your parents in the position of having to make that decision for you. Obviously they were in that boat when the child was still a child, but now that the child's an adult, that's sort of one of those decisions that they can take off the parents back. Another one that's sort of healthcare related is a um, HIPAA release or HIPAA power of attorney. Uh, basically, uh, so the medical power of attorney would be with regard to health care decisions, but the HIPAA release it would be the ability for the, the doctor, the hospital, the medical institution to be able to release medical information to you as the parent. Uh, it, it goes really well alongside the medical power of attorney, um, but yeah, the attorney would definitely need to help you draft this because the HIPAA laws and rules are are very specific and the hospital um, will be very motivated to make sure the rules are followed very closely because HIPAA is a very big deal. But the beauty of having the HIPAA release is that it allows the parent to have some access to the medical data for their child um, under certain conditions and, and be it uh, pharmacy or uh, hospital or doctor, um, 
certainly lots of scenarios you can imagine where having access to that data would be really helpful. This last document is sort of optional and it's called a FERPA waiver. FERPA is the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. And it's, it's basically the act that governs the right to privacy over your educational data. As HIPAA is to health data, FERPA is to educational data. This would include things like your grades, test results, um, academic attendance, disciplinary measures taken by the school, um, comments in your record from administrators or educators, professors, etc. There's not a uh, not a com- as compelling reason for the student to have their parents do this, but what I will say is there are situations that come up from time to time where the student may want the parent to help them be in their court, help them help them out. And if the parent tries to call the school and this sort of document is not in place, the school will not talk to them. Uh, a, a good example I can think of is again, the student is studying abroad. The student's in literally the other side of the world. They call the parents in the middle of the night and say, hey, I have a problem at school. Um, I need you to call the administration administration office and see if we can get this fixed because I'm in a different time zone on the other side of the world. I can't get a hold of them. Can you help me? The parent can't do that unless this sort of measure is in place. So all the ones we talked about, I think the FERPA one is 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 maybe the least necessary and also really only applicable to adult children that are in college, um, but nonetheless could be helpful in some situations. Now, all of these are sort of the proverbial fire extinguisher behind glass in case of emergency, break open glass, and hopefully none of these would ever be needed. But in the event they are, they can be quite helpful and reduce a lot of stress in what most of the time would otherwise be a a pretty stressful situation. So also, except for the FERPA waiver, these are all documents that you as the parent should probably have as part of your estate plan too, uh, perhaps along with a trust. There's always a case where any person, adult or parent or grandparent may from time to time need someone to step in and help them with their financial affairs or their medical affairs. And the power of attorney is the way to do that without having to go to court to do it because going to court takes time and it's much more expensive. So big fan of having all of these documents be a full part of your estate plan. And then for your child, uh, it's sort of setting them up with the basics of getting them their own very elementary estate plan. And the last piece we haven't really talked about is that, you know, for a lot of adult children, they may benefit from having a very basic will. Most newly adult children don't have considerable assets, don't have real estate, um, but a will is a way for them to take the possessions that they do have that, albeit maybe are not that valuable, but they still care about and would want to dictate what happens to those. I hope you found today's episode helpful, and we'll see you next week. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. 
The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.